your Bibles to John uh, chapter 1, verse 47 to 51. I want to read, and may the Lord help me do this today. I believe, as, you, as you're looking for that, let me say a few things. I believe we underappreciate and undervalue what God is doing around us. I'm talking right now, around us. We underappreciate and undervalue it. Um, our text uh, brings us out, and I'm going to hopefully by the end of this thing, in about 30 minutes, you'll, you'll go walk away and say, yeah, I believe I have to have a new appreciation for what's going on around me and never want to underestimate God's work again. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israel indeed in whom is no guile. Wouldn't you want the Lord Jesus to say that about you? What kind of a guy was Nathanael? Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. That's about as big as it gets. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said, Said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt, these are the words I want you to underline, if you mark them or whatever. Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he, say, and he saith unto him, verily, verily. Anytime, he, anytime I, my parents say something to me once, it was big. When he said it twice, it was real big. When Jesus says verily, verily, he says verily once, but verily, verily means, look, get this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, from anything we know in the Bible, Nathaniel, we do not, it's not recorded in the Bible that Nathaniel saw what you just read. Now, I know when Jesus says something, it happens, right? I mean, it happens, so I'm not doubting it. The only time we know that this kind of thing happened, angels descending and ascending on Jesus, would have been the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17. But we know there was only James, Peter, James, and John there. Nathaniel was not there. We do not know he was there. It was not recorded, but just Peter, James, and John. But that does not mean it did not happen in an unrecorded, biblically unrecorded time that Nathaniel indeed saw exactly what the Lord Jesus said he would one day see. Uh, and, but just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it didn't happen. In other words, what I'm saying is the Bible says of itself, if everything about Christ was written, and, 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 and it uses a, a tool called exaggeration, the world couldn't contain the books that would be written about what happened. Jesus went into villages and healed everybody that was infirmed, everybody that was sick. And, you know, how many people did he raise from the dead? Not just what's recorded in the Bible. I think he raised hundreds and hundreds of people from the dead. But the Bible is just what God wants us to know. It is a need-to-know book. There's no extra material in it, though he did many other things. Uh, I just about choked there. He did many other things. Uh, so we see that. Anyway, let's look at John chapter 14, verse 12. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these 
shall he do? Because I go into my Father. What is that all about? Look at that again. And greater works than these shall he do. Jesus indicates clearly that his followers were going to see and to do greater works than he did. Now you may say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Is he talking about the miracles of healing primarily now? Listen to me. Primarily, was he referring to his works of healing? I do not believe so. Uh, primarily, uh, because really we don't know any, any other time in recorded history that there was as many miracles as what Jesus did and his apostles did uh, during their period. We don't know of, of in reliable recorded history. There's no other time since then that there's been any kind of miracles done in the frequency and the degree and the and that's the what then then what were done then? Uh, do you mean preacher that he was talking about raising the dead? I, I do not think so, because in reliable recorded and witness history, there has never been a, a, a time when when more people were resurrected than in this time of Jesus and the apostles. You know, if you look at if you look at the Bible as a whole, there are three major miracle working periods. First of Moses and Joshua. That was a massive miracle. By the way, those miracles have never been duplicated uh, since then. I mean, phenomenal miracles. As many of you know, the ten plagues of Egypt, you know, and all that what went on there. Then you have Elijah and Elisha. That was a period of great miracle working. Then you have Jesus and the apostles, which was a, a great period of miracle. Those are the only credible and historically recorded massive, and I use the word massive, amounts of miracles that happened. It was, they were incredible. They were undeniable miracles. Uh, like I mentioned, the ten plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea on dry land, manna being provided every day for the people, of, for about two and a half million people, uh, quail, clothes not wearing out, shoes not wearing out, water having it out of the desert, fiery pillar by night and a cloud by day, the Shekinah glory of God over the temple. Elijah, during his period, and Elisha, Elijah did eight major miracles, and Elisha did double that because he asked for a double portion. He did 16 major miracles, even the raising of the dead. Then you come to Jesus, Jesus and the apostles. In the Bible, there's only 34 recorded miracles in the New Testament. Now, we know that's just a small portion of what Jesus and the apostle uh, did 34 recorded miracles for Jesus. That's, that's not nearly as many as it happened, but that's what God said. This is all you need to know. So what does Jesus mean when he says to Nathaniel, and in the 14th chapter, uh, greater works than these shall you do? I believe in reading the book of Acts, which, which covers about the first hundred years of the church, uh, we see what he meant. We see that Jesus was not referring so much to the physical miracles of healing, but to a greater miracle, a more lasting miracle, more eternal miracle called the new birth. You realize all those people that were physically healed by Jesus had to die. They died again. They got sick again. They died. Usually when people die, they get sick, right? I mean, they get sick and die. Once in a while, you have a heart attack. It's a wonderful way to go. Uh, but I believe the greater things that he was talking about were the conversions, the conversion of people to Jesus Christ, which is eternal 
in nature, not temporal in nature. Now, Jesus led thousands and thousands of people to himself, no doubt about it. Belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God, incredible. He did a tremendous amount of work. He won these thousands. Well, you got to think, he was the Son of God. He knew what was in man. Uh, He was truth incarnate, and he was extremely persuasive, maybe the most powerful preacher that ever walked, and I'm pretty sure of that statement, but most powerful preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. He was a tremendous persuader. But the the apostles uh, were also taught by him, walked with him for three and a half years. They saw his miracles, heard his message. The Bible says our hands have handled the word of life. They literally touched the very Son of God. They knew him, being with him day and night for all that time. So it makes some sense that those people also had many converts. But to see greater works than Jesus, have you ever thought about that? Greater works? He says, you'll see greater works than I did. That's encouraging to me down the road some 2,000 years. And they did. Those after the Lord Jesus Christ, if I may say we, those because we're after him, and just include us all in one group, the we, after the apostles, after Jesus and the apostles, that group of we have covered a whole lot more ground than they covered. We've seen many more people converted than they saw. We have, uh, if I may say, though they reached, I believe they reached the known, their known world and their time, we have, I mean, what you say is every person heard the gospel. Uh, not so necessarily, but I can tell you this, that the Word of God is available. If you can get to a computer and you can type in the gospel, if you can type in Jesus Christ, anywhere you're at, you're going to get a lot of gospel. You're going to get enough to save you. That has not happened in, in historical time past. But even these apostles, with their limited amount of technology, the Bible says these are the men that turned the world upside down, Acts 17, 6. In Acts 24, 5, it says that they, uh, talking about Paul, for we have found this man to be a pestilent fellow. I like to be called pestilent. And a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of a sect called Nazareth. So Paul got around. He did a lot of things, and that was fulfilled in him. But what about those who follow the apostle? What about the we, the us? We do and are doing just like the Bible said and just like he said. We're doing greater than Jesus and the apostles even did. You said, brother, I've never thought about it that way. Well, think about it. Uh, we are doing greater, yes, much greater than Jesus did while he was in his earthly time here. What do I mean by that? He never, he went outside of Israel, but not very far. He went up into Lebanon a little bit. But he stayed in that little country of Israel. Jesus Christ did not come himself to preach a gospel all over the world. He came to die for you and me so there would be a gospel. His primary function was to come and die for us and to open the doors so that we could tell people, if you'll repent of your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ for who he said he was, and and with all your heart, you can be saved and go to heaven and have all your sins washed away by his precious blood. What a message that's been. But they only reached a small area of the world. And the apostles, I mean, I think the apostles went all over the place. Thomas went to India. It's recorded in 
in uh, secular history that they got around, no doubt about it. But since Jesus and the apostles, we have done a great spiritual work. The church, people that are born again. Think about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody alone, it's been recorded at over one million professions of faith. One million professions of faith under D.L. Moody alone. Uh, how about the converts under C.H. Spurgeon? Or how about the converts of Hudson Taylor? Back going back a few hundred years. Or, or, or William Carey in India who really translated the word of God for them. Think how many people got saved under Adoniram Judson. I mean, if you want to uh, uh, count them, they, I, the last count that I looked at is over 160,000 people were credited to the sal salvation just to Adoniram Judson himself. Or, or Moffat in Africa, David Livingston opening up Africa, and all these people, countless missionaries, and yay, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that love Jesus have gone out into the world and preach a gospel. And greater works have been done. Millions, I, I, I do not hesitate to say this, millions have been saved. The Bible says, as the sand of the sea without number have been saved. I'm, are you happy about that? I'm happy about that. I wish that everybody got saved. And you know, that's just the same heart God's got. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we have the same heart God has. When you go take that gospel track and place it in someone's automobile on the window, or you place it in, in a garment, or you place it in a dishwasher, or you place it, or you give it to them one-to-one, -one, or you go on our July 4th parade and hand it out as you go down through that parade, whether it be San Carlos or Bonita, or if you go to any of these outreach ministries we have or in your daily walk at the restaurant when you leave your tip. And, and by, by the way, if you don't leave a good tip, please don't leave a gospel track. Get some Jehovah Witness material and leave it. But do not leave our track. But if you leave like a 15, 20% tip, Leave a gospel track for the old girl. You say they don't read them. Yes, they do read them. I knew, I've known some waitresses uh, that waitresses for a long time, and they say, Preacher, a lot of those waitresses are troubled. A lot of them, their marriages are in trouble. A lot of them, their lives are in trouble. They've been doing drugs. And they'll take those tracks, and they'll put them in their pocket. And she said, I have witnessed them reading those gospel tracks very carefully in the back when things get slow. I just believe in the Word of God. How about you? I believe in the power of God. I believe that I, I am seeing greater things than these. Jesus said, I've come. I've done these miracles. I stayed in this little country of Israel pretty much the most time. I've seen, yea, thousands of saved, but you're going to see hundreds of thousands saved. You're going to see millions saved all over the world. Jesus, looking down through history, knew someday there'd be an internet. Who could have imagined that? I forgot the guy that said he invented the internet, but he didn't. He's running for president. I don't know. Think of the, he looked down through history. And look at the travel. Can you even imagine flying? I still am enamored to see a, a, a jet fill up with people. Most of them seem to be overweight. It bothers me. It bothers me to get on a plane and see really a lot of overweight people. Bringing in two or three carry You're only supposed to have one carry-on, right? But they put one under the seat. They put one above the deal. And then they sneak one in over. 
And, and, you know, and they're bringing all their food in. Well, they bring their food now in airplanes. I, remember, I used to fly when they served you at filet mignon and stuff like that. Also, when everybody smoked and you looked down there and all that smoke was rising up from everybody smoking cigarettes. Remember that? It was, that was them bi-wing airplanes. I'm trying to keep you going here. Imagine the flying, what it's like. Preacher, look, Dr. Crabb, what would he do? If he had to drive to Lancaster, California, five-day hard drive, five-day hard drive out there. But no, no, he, he would, I'll tell you what, he wouldn't see his daughter as much, or he'd be red-eyed. But I mean, it's one thing, he goes out there like it's nothing. He jumps on a plane, boom, I'm going to Lancaster, 3,000 miles. Oh, well, you know, it's a six-hour, five, six-hour flight, you're out there, you know. You want to fly to England five hours from Kennedy Airport. You want to fly to Israel 12 hours, 14, maybe 15 hours, depending on how the, how the jet stream is and all that. And you can go, you can go almost any place in the world today. But with, the, with that transportation goes the gospel. Greater things than these shall you do. He looked down through history and he saw the internet was going to come. He looked down through history and saw there was going to be aviation. And you were going to be able to travel much better. Man, some of them old missionaries, they'd get on a ship, be six weeks or more going to where they were supposed to go. No wonder they didn't come home. At Livingston, and, uh, David Livingston, came, first time he came home, 16 years, was after 16 years being there, a long time. And uh, I believe I'm right on that. And they had TV. And then think of TV and all of that. Think of audio recording. I just told you about the iTunes and 166 hits or downloads. I mean, that's, that was impossible, but just a few years ago. Um, you have Christian movies. I mean, like it or don't like it. The Passion of the Christ clearly represented the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know one of the most viewed, the movie was viewed the most in what country? Among the Arab countries. Now you try to give the gospel to an Islamic and see what happens. They're going to go, what? But they clamored into movie theaters to see The Passion of the Christ because they thought it was going to blame the Jews, which they hate, for crucifying the Christ. Well, the Jews did crucify the Christ. There's no doubt about it. But that one thing, I was reading an article about it, caused the Islamics to go in there because they wanted to see, ah, the Jews are really the bad people who crucified the Christ. The problem with that is Jesus was a Jew. And without a Jew, you wouldn't be saved. But that movie went all over the world. People kept that thing. And I'm going to tell you, the first time I watched it, I cried like a baby, man. I wept. How It was powerful. You say, you didn't like this and didn't like that? Well, there's a whole lot of things. You know, my wife's not perfect, but I love her. Listen, if you've got to be perfect to love, ain't nobody going to love anybody. You know, come on. Something don't have to be perfect to work. Greater works than these shall you do. Greater works than these shall you see. Though Jesus did not himself evangelize the world and died for the world, he made it possible for you and I to go and to evangelize the world and to be saved. Man, I, he looked down through the ages and saw those yellow buses, been able to go in neighborhoods and pick up boys and girls and bring them in so they could hear the gospel. We, we are given opportunities to do these greater works 
the now. That's why I say we underestimate, we undervalue the, the, the great things that God's given us to do. I submit to you that soul winning is the greatest miracle of all. I'm talking about the conversion of a sinner to Christ. I mean, what a, what a life-changing decision that is when you realize that you're a sinner unable to save yourself and Christ died for you. And as you can have your sins forgiven and washed away, you can have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You can have a place in heaven. You can have Jesus preparing a place for you. Why? That influences not just the person that gets saved, but it influences the people immediately around them, the immediate family who knew what kind of a scoundrel you were, and now you got born again, you're saved, you got a lightness to you, you got a, almost a shine off of your face like Moses had, and you go and start telling them, hey, I got saved. Well, you, what? And they get saved. And I find when one person gets saved in a family, it'll run through the family. My dad was the first person saved in his family, and almost all his seven brothers and sisters made a profession of faith, plus his mom and dad, and it went through their whole family. My mom was, was one of the first people in her family to get saved, and other people in her family have gotten saved. And my wife was the first person in her family to get saved, and her brother got saved, and his kids got saved, the kids got saved, uh, the mother got saved, and the only ones that hasn't got saved is her sister, and we're still praying for that to happen. God does great things through us, but you have to be willing to do what he asks you to do. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Tell them. Tell them. I believe if you lift Jesus up, he'll draw all men to himself. You believe that? That's John 12. Jesus said, lift me up, I'll draw. Basically what he's saying, you don't have to do the work. You can't do the work of drawing people. I can't get into your head and your heart and figure out. But Jesus can. So you just lift Jesus up and say, he died for you. He's the Savior. And something Something supernatural happens in the hearts and the minds of people, and the Holy Spirit begins to reason with them about their lost condition, about their helpless, hopeless, and hapless position, and that they can be saved and have, have an inheritance of heaven. And God does something, and people say, yes, I want to be saved. Amen? And you're different, and you change. Now, it's not inst I mean, there's some immediate change, but let's, say, let's face it. Uh, you're 99999 world when you get saved, then you get saved, you become, the Holy Spirit comes in and inhabits more of you than before, and then God begins to grow you, right? I mean, you begin to, I mean, when I got right with God, I still smoked for a while, and I still, I had a pretty bad habit of swearing, and that, that still once in a while resurrects its ugly head. I wish I could tell you that never happened. I tell my wife, man, you can make a preacher cuss. I'm so bad. I often go to God and say, why me, Lord? What did I ever do? He said, oh, no, I want you to do this. But I don't like to speak in front of people. But, I, yeah, I'll take care of you. And God, all I have to do is lift Jesus up and he draws men to himself. We go to the beach and do that. We go to all these various things we do. We just need lifting Jesus up, lifting Jesus up, lifting Jesus up. Man, it's beautiful. And I, why do I say it's a greater miracle being soul winning is a greater miracle than all the... Look, because what I said before, you raise the dead, he's got to die again. You heal the sick, they got to get sick and die again. 
Whatever you do, and you know what we do? We have an overemphasis of the flesh. We have an overemphasis of the physical healing, and, and, and really, in many ways, an underemphasis of spiritual healing. Spiritual healing is what's eternal. Spiritual healing is what's going to last forever. Okay, we do have people healed. In my lifetime, I've seen some miraculous healings happen. But we don't get up and just beat the drum and say, woo, I want to see somebody born again. Then I beat the drum and go, woo, Norm Goodnight, you hear Norm? Norm got saved recently. Boy, that is a miracle of crossing the Red Sea on dry land, brother. And, and his wife should say, hey, man, she knows him. I mean, she knew Norm before he got saved. When Norm came to me that day and said, preacher, I want to talk to you, and we went back in the office there, I thought, man, God was working. I was getting to see, I was getting to see something better than somebody raised from the dead. Actually, I was seeing somebody raised from the dead. I thought, man, I get to be part of this. Whoa, this is good. Yeah. Greater things than these show you do. Why? Because it's eternal in nature, not just temporary physical healing. Dr. Anna's present with us, I think. She may be in junior church. Dr. Ann here? Yeah, she likes junior church. Dr. Ann, when she came to us in 82, she called us up and says, I'm looking for some churches to help me get to Haiti. I want to give my life. I'm an American Board of Surgeons certified surgeon. And she was in her 30s, I believe, early 30s. She's older than I am, but I don't know how much. But anyway, um, she said to me, she said, uh, well, we started talking to her about her vision. And if you know Dr. Ann, she's not shy. And so she said, she said, now look, I'm a medical doctor. I'm going over to Haiti, but my main emphasis is not physical healing. Even that's, I mean, it took 10 years to get it, plus a couple of years of internship, right? But she said, my main emphasis, and I think Doc's the same way. My main emphasis is not to try to heal somebody because if I can heal their body, they're going to go ahead and get sick again and die. She says, my main emphasis is to use the physical ministry of being a doctor to see them born again and go to heaven. Glory to God. I talked to, I looked at Pastor McKinney, and I said, we got to support this girl. We got to get behind her. This is, she's talking straight. That's up and down. That's spiritual. That's greater things than the physical. I'm glad for, for medical doctors, and I'm glad that, that we have aspirin. I'm glad we have Advil. I'm glad we have a few things to help us out. But the ultimate truth is, no matter how much you get helped out, you, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. But oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, if you hear well, I tell died, don't you be sad for me. Woo, no. Two good things will have happened. Number one, I got to go to heaven. Number two, my wife is free. She's free, free. I don't think I ever have to wonder whether my wife's going to get married again. She said, you have done ruined me for being married again. I'm never going to get married again. I said, Amen. Are you doing greater works this morning? Do greater works. Get some gospel tracts out there and do greater works. You see somebody 
that, that is wondering about Jesus, tell them about Ask them if they want to know about Christ. Share how you got saved. Share the gospel with them. Be free with it. Freely you have received. Freely give. Give it out. Be generous with the gospel. Don't be tight-fisted with the gospel. Don't You say, well, it may hurt your feelings. I mean, it may hurt your feelings. You know, doctors don't seem to care. Doctors don't seem to care. I went into a doctor with a big old swelled up knee like this. I laid carpet for 17 years. My knees would swell up like that. I couldn't even push in the clutch. What's a clutch, preacher? Never mind. <laughs> Left foot, clutch. My knee would be like this. And that guy would come out there with a needle that honestly looked like that little finger right there. It was a 13, I think, Doc. It was a thir- some, It would look like this. How many here have ever had their knee drained? You know I'm telling you the truth. I lie not. And they come out there and say, this will just hurt. This will be uncomfortable. No, it's going to be the worst pain you've ever felt in your life. And you're going to squeal, but I'm going to help you. And I'll tell you with the gospel, sometimes people... They think, yeah, I know you, but boy, they like the healing the gospel does for them. It may make you uncomfortable. It may make you a little sad. It may make you under conviction. But brother, all of that will lead like the doctor. It'll make you a little uncomfortable for a while, but what I'm going to do for you is going to help you in the end, and what the gospel is going to do for you is going to help you in the end, and it's going to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. And if you live for God, what a life this is. Wow. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the Bible. We pray the Word of God would go forth this morning. Help us to remember and to understand that we're doing greater works than the apostles. We're doing greater works than Jesus himself did in some degree because we're reaching out with the pure message that Jesus saves, Jesus saves in so many directions. Help us to be prolific. Help us to have the power of the Holy Spirit and explain it in such a way that even somebody here this morning will say yes to Jesus. I want to trust him as my Savior. May it be so. Let, it, let us know so we can help you, pray with you, and encourage you on in your Christian walk. We're here for you. This is what we're here for. We want to help you. Father, now come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.